Today, I know you're about to be blown away by Pastor Lauren. Pastor Lauren has been very honest and transparent about sometimes where she struggled with anxiety. She struggled in those moments where it was hard to breathe. And so you're about to hear from somebody who's gonna bring an incredible answer to when those moments happen where we feel like we're in over our head, where we feel like life is too difficult. And so you're gonna hear from someone who's been victorious because of Jesus. So right now, welcome Pastor Lauren. Good morning, everyone. Hello, Crossroads. Thank you, Pastor Chuck. He is so gracious. What do you think? You guys like it? You ready to go with me on an adventure? All right. My husband loves whitewater rafting. He has a group of friends that go every year, and the Kern is their place. There's the upper Kern and the lower Kern. They know how to read the river. They know how to check the flow to see how the rapids are, and they know all the things. All the rapids have classes, and I'm going to go through the classes with you of what whitewater rafting is. So there's class one and two. These are kind of like float trips for, you know, the chill people, right? You just kind of float down the river, get a little splishy splash. Your kids will love it. And then you move into class three, a little bit more of an adventure. You got a few obstacles you got to maneuver through. You got to follow the wave trains. You're going to have some bigger splashes, and it's a little bit more complex. Class four. All right. These ones... You're going to hit some big waves, you're going to dip down, you're going to pop up, you're going to have to go through some more complexities, and then you hit class five. Class five are violent and terrible, right? So oftentimes we pour around class fives because those are just, they're just crazy, and class six, we don't even talk about those. So... My husband wanted to go on this trip a couple years ago for Memorial Day on the Kern River. So um, we head out, and oh, first I got to tell you the names of the rapids. Okay, we got Cables. This is on the upper Kern. This is a class four. So as you can see, that's a pretty big splash. We got Black Bottom Falls. This is on the upper Kern, class four as well. Black Bottom Falls because there's just a black bottom when you come over the falls. And then we have the Powerhouse. This is a class three. This one's a little bit more fun, and it's called Powerhouse because it literally goes by a powerhouse. So you guys, whitewater rafting is a thrill ride. It's for the adventure seeker. Are you the type to say, no thank you, I will sit in my jammies, watch Disney Plus, give me a thumbs down online in person. If you're that kind of person, you're like, I'll just chill. All right, how many of you guys are like, bring it on, I want that adventure, give me a thumbs up. All right, oh my goodness, I have some participation, I love it. All right, so a couple years ago, Memorial Day, we're heading out to the Kern, the Upper Kern, class three and four rapids, right? Class three and the very ones I showed you. And, you know, I'm a little nervous, but, you know, I'm excited. So we're in full gear and wetsuits. We've got me, my husband, Tom, who I was dating at the time, so we weren't even, you know, together yet. And uh, we're in the boat, and then we got Ron in the back. And we start going, and man, we're having a good time. So when you come across these wave trains, you gotta like jam in and like hit the water and then pull back, and it's like super fun. So we're cruising along, and we come to the last rapid of the day called Ewings. I wanna show you a picture of Ewings on the screen. So Ewings, there's a huge rock on the left and a huge rock on the right. What you gotta do is kinda 
skirt through at a one o'clock angle, and then you just kind of flow through that rapid, and you're on the other side, just like that. So Ron in the back, he's like leading us, he's our oarsman, and he comes through at the one o'clock angle, and this particular year, the water level had changed, okay? So when we come over the top of the fall and look down, there was nothing down there. It was just, you could see the rocks and this washing machine action going on. I'm in the front of the boat. Imagine the boat going straight down and we hit the bottom and the back end, Ron and the oars completely flip over top of us. I am under the water and I count one, my body spins, two, a second time, three somersaults underwater. At that moment, I feel a huge, strong arm push me hard, and I flow out from under the boat. I pop up just enough time to take one breath. I don't have one second's rest because now I'm out of the boat. There's rocks. I'm still in the wave train. I'm being tossed and turned. So what do I do? I swim hard, and I'm flowing, and I get to a rock, and I get to this rock, and I'm like, I'm down, I'm safe, I'm on the rock. My eyes are like popped huge because I'm like, I've nearly almost drowned, I don't know what to do, I'm just stuck here on this rock. Then my best friend Tawny and her boat come behind me and somehow they had shaken loose my boat, and by the way, this is the exact boat, just telling you. And it was upside down, floating upside down on the Kern River. And it comes floating by, they're yelling and they're screaming at me, they're like, jump on the back of the boat. And I'm like, what? I mean, I've just nearly drowned and they're telling me to go to my enemy who has just flipped me and jump on the back of the boat. So they're like, jump on. It didn't make any sense to me to jump on the back of an upside down boat by myself. So, but like a spring loaded for action, I sprung off the rock. I land on the bottom of this boat and I'm like flat flat down like this, right? And they're like, okay, now they're back paddling towards me, right? Cause they've now passed me. So they back paddle towards me, jump in our boat. I'm like, okay. So I fly into their boat and I'm like a wet kitten, like cowering in the back of their boat going, I never want to do this again. <sighs> So then somehow they flip this boat back right side over. Get back in your boat. There's nobody in my boat. So I jump back in this boat and they're like, you're going to pull Tom and Ron in. Ed, her guide, jumps to the back of this boat. Now he's like, paddle hard. And so we're paddling and he's like, get Tom. All right, guys, the way you pull somebody in from the water when you're here doesn't matter how big they are, you use the water and their life vests. So you take them, you grab them. So I grab Tom, grab his life vest. I give him a push down under the water for buoyancy. I pull him up and they land right on top of you, face to face. It's a great move for a dating relationship. I'm telling you. So guys, I get into that boat and I am just... We get to the takeout, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. And I have to show you some of the amazing flips that this rapid has done. Check out the screen with me for a second. Right here, this is Ewing's, and here's the first boat 
This is how big this rapid is. It is nuts. Boom. I went nose down, not nose back. Here's another one. There it is. Woo. You guys, we're in a series called Breathing Room. What to do when you are in over your head. This story is literally this entire message. The things I experienced, the things that happened. Have you ever felt like you were drowned, squeezed, overwhelmed? I need to tell you the definition of overwhelmed. The word overwhelmed means to feel buried or drowned beneath a huge mass. I felt like I was drowned and buried beneath a huge mass. When I was somersaulting, it was like this crushing weight. There was no way I was going to push against it. Have you recently felt like you were drowning and you couldn't breathe? Raise your hand if in the last week you felt anxiety or stress or feeling overwhelmed about something. Be honest. In the last week. Okay, keep your hands raised if you felt that same pressure or stress in the last 24 hours. All right? Okay, Keep your hand raised a third time if you felt in the last hour since coming to church, coming here, you feel a little overwhelmed. I do, because I'm on stage preaching to you right now. So I feel that overwhelmed. You are not alone. We're looking at the Apostle Paul, this whole series, and that he wrote this book of Philippians. And he wrote this book to the church at Philippi. Paul was in over his head. He felt squeezed, he felt pushed, he felt pressure from all sides and possibly emotionally underwater. Yet he writes to the church at Philippi with some sound advice on what to do when you're pressed. And he has credibility because he's in a prison cell while he's writing this. So he had every right to say these things. Last week, Pastor Stephen shared from Paul about God giving us everything we need. And then prior to that, Pastor Sawyer shared about finding joy in the Lord and not in our circumstances. So Paul, as he's in prison, we're going to continue on in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4. says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. So Paul thanks his ministry partners, these men and women from the church, for their love and concern. They've supported him financially to do the ministry. They've prayed over him as prayer warriors, and they have encouraged him time and again. In fact, throughout a 10-year period, the Philippian church was known as one of the best supporters of Paul and his missionary work, sharing the love of Jesus. I love that Crossroads supports missionaries in their work in sharing the love of Jesus as well. So Paul thanks them immensely for their support. It means the world to him. Then he writes something extremely intriguing. Right on the heels of thanking them, he says... Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me my present difficulty. Is contentment even possible today? As Paul writes, let's pray as we dive deeper into the spiritual significance of this passage. Jesus, thank you so much that you give us experiences in life to show us your truth. I pray that your truth would be made crystal clear today about contentment, about breathing room, and about what to do when we're in over our head. 
I pray, Jesus, that your word would come alive and that we would truly be able to sense your spirit teaching and leading us in your name. Amen. So Paul clearly says, thank you for providing for my needs, but not that I was ever any in need. So of course Paul had physical needs. So why would he say that? He was human, but he says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I have learned. Did you guys know we can learn the opposite of contentment? We can learn to be stressed. We can learn to be anxious. In fact, did you know that 36% of teens today feel overwhelmed due to stress? I share this stat because so many young people are struggling today. Here's how kids and teens learn stress. Number one, tension at home is a common source of stress. Right? There's family conflict. Maybe there's some divorce happening. Number two, big life changes, such as a new step-parent or a new home, can also be hard on kids and teens. When you move houses or to a different city, right? Who are my friends going to be? What church will I go to? Where am I going to find my place? Number three, stress can even come when the changes are happy ones, such as the arrival of the new sibling. Everybody's happy! But man, this is stressful for me because I don't know what to do with a new kid in the house. Number four, school is another frequent source of concern for kids. Pressure for good grades, test taking. And number five, some children might be stressed about making friends, dealing with bullies, or getting along with their teachers. So if kids and teens are learning stress and anxiety, where are they learning this from? Us. More is caught than taught. We learn stress, we learn anxiety, and we place that on our children and young people today. But Paul says the opposite is also possible. It's possible because he says, I have learned to be content. Contentment means being satisfied with what one is or has, not wanting more or anything else. And I love this definition so much, I placed it into Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. So rewritten, it says, I have learned to be satisfied with who I am and what I have, not wanting more or anything else. Where are you at today? Your response might be, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of smoothing it out, but let me press in a second. Are you really okay with not wanting more? Or often, we deceive ourselves by saying, I don't want anything, and we suppress our desires, which actually is like Buddhism, where we don't have any desires. So let me clarify, wanting things is actually human. It's a part of who we are. It's totally okay to want things. That's how God intended it. But how do we balance the extremes? We have gluttony, wanting everything on one side, and then we have suppressing all desires on the other side. So here's the first way to contentment. Number one, follow the flow where God leads. Follow the flow where God leads. Quick note here, we're following the flow of where God leads, not where the world leads, right? That leads us down the wrong place, and a lot of people are following that flow today. Paul started off in life as a Jew hater and a Christian killer. He encounters Jesus. He has this life-changing experience. And from that point on, he does everything he can to preach to others and to share that love of Jesus with them, no matter where he is. His journeys, as recounted in Scripture... They were not easy. They were full of opposition, of bullies, of hardship, of suffering. But he lived out that so he could live his purpose for God. Do you go with the flow of where God leads or do you push against where he's leading you? Can I just share that when Tom and Ron flipped out of the boat, 
they actually went with the flow down the river, right? So I'm swimming towards a rock, pretty much crying on the rock, right? And they, they flipped, they got pushed under, they got dunked under, they trusted their life vest, they popped back up, and they're like, we had a great time. What? I didn't. So they thought it was great. There's going to be times in life when the flow is easy and fun. You're going to have these class three rapids, and you're going to be like, this is so much fun. We're just, we're just cruising. We're having a great time. My job's going great. My relationships are great. I have a good family, good friends. A little splish and splash every now and again is no problem. And then there are times when you're like, God, I'm trying to follow you. And this is a class four rapid. Are you really answering my prayer? Are you, are, you, are you there? Hello, hello. Anybody there? Why aren't my dreams coming true? Why am I waiting for something for so long? And you don't understand. Let me be honest with you guys. I was single, and my prayer for marriage was not answered till I was 41 years old. That's a long time to wait, just so you know. It was my identity, and it was, honestly, I had no idea if marriage would ever happen for me. It was something I had dreamed and hoped, and I was following God. I was in ministry. I was doing the things he asked me to do. So why wasn't my prayer being answered? Why was I facing that class four rapid of singleness? That didn't seem fair to me. And I pushed against that sometimes. But yet I came to this place when I was 38 years old, and I want to read you something that I wrote at 38 years old. Who am I? I am single. I am 38. I have not experienced much time in relationship in these years. Oftentimes, I've been single for years at a time without so much as a date. So who am I left with? Friends, family, and myself. Who is the one who is there no matter what, who goes with me wherever I go, who I can never get away from, it is myself. I used to fear this and even went through a season of anxiety over the expectations I had on myself. And now I embrace who I am. I have learned that becoming who God has called me to be is more important than any relationship and needs to be a priority. Around that age is when I can truly say I was okay. I was okay being single. If God wanted me single for the rest of my life, so be it. Does that mean that it wouldn't be hard? Well, no. But if that was the purpose he had for me, then I would rest in that purpose. And I want to affirm all those who are single, because at that time I felt like I could breathe. And being single is a really, really good place to be. Maybe you thought you'd never be single again. Maybe your spouse, who you said, I do, said, I don't. And you find yourself wanting to be in a different place. Paul talked to the Corinthian church about a thorn in his flesh. Some people um, conjecture that the thorn in his flesh was his singlehood, because Paul never found the one. But what is important about Paul's thorn in the flesh is he says it was meant to keep him from being proud Because he begged God three times on three occasions, God, please take this thorn from my flesh. Please remove it from me. I do not want it. But God said to him, my grace is all you need. 
My power works best in weakness. Yet I don't think Paul is speaking to just being content in singleness, right? We can all agree we can learn contentment in our marriage, walking with our kids through some tough times. We can learn contentment if we want to get pregnant and are unable to. We can learn contentment in relationships, and we can learn contentment in our jobs. There's so many places that contentment applies to in any and every state of being. So I ask you, are you satisfied with who you are, not wanting anything more or any other state or anything else? I would encourage you today to write out a statement like I did at 38 and claim it. Even if you're not there yet, write it out and own it as that's who you are becoming and that's who you want to be. Contentment is not found in an easy life. It's not found in class one rapids because our lives with God are an adventure. We don't get a choice in that. But that doesn't mean that we can't find contentment and satisfaction with who we are and what we have when we follow the flow of where God leads, which leads me to take a permanent vacation from being God. It's summertime. It's summertime, right? And I would just, you know, encourage you all to go on a whitewater rafting trip because now you really want to, right? You know, it's the time to go. It's hot outside. The water is cool. Um, But doesn't the idea of a permanent vacation sound so inviting? It does to me, right? We need to stop trying to be God. When Paul says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have, he's not saying, I don't care whether or not I have a lot or a little. He's just saying, my joy does not depend on it. I don't rest my feelings on who I I am or what I have because I'm not God. So how many of us think that we're God? I know I have my moments. So, you know, our natural instinct is to say, oh, no, 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 I don't think that I'm God. But let me ask you this. How many of you like to be in control, right? How many of you like to make the decisions and know what's happening? Yeah, yeah, I do too. I like to know what's happening next. Back to Paul. Him and Silas, his buddy, they had been in prison twice. God miraculously allowed them to get out both times. Um, But he was once again arrested After that, but instead of standing trial in Jerusalem, he wanted to go to Rome because God told him to go to Rome. So he was like, okay, I will go and stand trial in front of Nero, the Roman Empire emperor, and he can do that because he's a Roman citizen. Um, But he, plain and simple, didn't question God why he needed to go to Rome. God just said, go, and he's like, I'll do whatever it takes, even being arrested by the Roman emperor to do, God, what you've called me to do. His life belonged to Jesus. Once he had that transformation, he no longer called the shots in his life. And on his way to Rome, they encountered a severe storm. This was like a class five or six rapid because it left their boat utterly destroyed, them hanging on driftwood and floating out at sea, barely keeping their lives. I don't know about you, I don't like that idea. Being on the ocean waves, being terrified. I was already terrified enough right here. And you guys, I get overwhelmed all the time at not knowing what to expect next. But you know what? There's one place that I can say I can know what's happening next. It's at my dentist, right? I go to my dentist, and I'm, I hate going to the dentist on some occasions because I, my, my hands start to tingle. Um, they go numb. I get cold. That's called anxiety. So my dentist knows this about me, and he helps me out. 
He gives me the play-by-play. He tells me exactly what to expect, and he, you know, helps me out in that way. So there's one place I can go where I can know what's next. No other place can I know. Can you handle not knowing all the things? Can you handle not knowing what's next? How do we choose to live in light of that? David had a pretty good suggestion for us in Psalm chapter 45. David was pressed. He was overwhelmed by so many things. And he says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that you are not God. God invites us to take this permanent vacation to stop being God and let him be God. Um, Taking a vacation from ourselves might feel like we're dying because it is. It's a daily choice to die to ourselves and to not allow ourselves to control what is going on. I've been back on the Kern several times since that fateful flip on Ewing's. And each time, it's been hard for me to get back in that boat. I have to know that God is in control. I got my helmet, I got my life vest, and just go with the flow. But man, I wanna control what's gonna happen when we get to Ewing's. How's the flow gonna look? What's it gonna look like? What things in life do you need to be still, breathe, and let go of? What things do you need to take a permanent vacation from God in? I need to take a permanent vacation from God, from being God, in you fill in the blank. I know you all know the thing that's in your mind right now that you're like, I'm trying to control this and I need to let it go. I'm not God, you're not God. So we learn contentment through following the flow where God leads, taking that permanent vacation from being God, and then we got to do it. we got to actually trust God and depend on his strength. It's not enough to stop trying to be God. Paul had to trust that he would be taken care of. Paul had to trust God for the outcome. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, Paul knew how to live with nothing or everything. Take the past few years, starting with the toilet paper crisis, right? Then there was the meat shortage. Now the supply chain issues. Gas prices are the highest they've ever been. The stock market is going nuts. And we're wondering what will happen next. Can you trust that God is moving you for his purpose, no matter what things are happening around you? When I was in that river and I climbed on that rock, those who could see what was happening around me were yelling at me. My friend Tawny in the back of the boat, jump onto the boat. I'm like, I can't, right? Because I couldn't see what was happening. God sees, he knows, he invites us to actually trust him and leap from the rock to the back of the boat and just do whatever he tells us to do. Yes, God met Paul's physical needs. Let's go a little deeper. How about trusting God to deal with those wounds where your lines have been crossed? That's a little bit more difficult. He says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. What needs have you suffered in the last two years with people? Are you left wondering Who are my people? Because your entire tribe has changed, right? People have wronged you. They've left some wounds. It's a fearful thing to let go of the pain that others have caused you, especially when they don't say, I'm sorry. 
Yet when we hold to the hope of the resurrection, the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead, he bore our, he bore our sin on his body, he conquered death. When we truly believe that, that God is not defeated when people do their worst for us, we can hold to the fact that there is a promise in Isaiah 30 that is still true. It says this, Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. He is the one who will perform his justice. How blessed are those who long for him. Do you trust God to be gracious to you, to have compassion over you? to do justly on your behalf. You don't have to take vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. This is contentment. This is true contentment. Trusting he will take care of your physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. So what things are you still holding that you have not trusted him? What, what physical needs are pressing in on you? What financial concerns do you have right now? What worries about the future and the economy do you have? Do you have heaviness from a relationship that is unresolved? Or tension with a family member or a coworker? I beg you guys to give these things back to Jesus today. Let him have compassion on you. Let him be the just one for you. How do we do this? We have to depend on his strength. Okay, guys, I work out. I hike. I'm committed to go to the gym. I've been up to the top of mountains. And yet, that day, I was terrified. Terrified, right? Um, I had to fend for myself for 41 years. I think that's pretty good. And I did a good job, right? Um, guys, don't go your own way and take off your life vest. Fear will come when you guys learn contentment. Fear that you're going to lose control, it's going to be too much to handle, that you're not going to know what's happening in the future. I can't imagine that Paul was not afraid ever. I mean, being lost out at sea, being in trouble by bandits on the road. I mean, Paul had a lot of bullies out to get him. He had a lot of craziness. Yet, he knew who he was, he knew who God was, and he could say something profound like, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I've heard this verse quoted all over the place in athletic pursuits. Oh, Lord, help me win my race. I can do all things through giving me strength. Oh, Lord, help me take this test. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, Lord, help me with this conflict relationship. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But did you know that in context with what Paul is writing right here, this verse comes immediately after. I have learned to be content. Do you think Paul knew something? that we don't know, that we're learning, that contentment takes God's strength. I can do all things. I can be content. I can choose to depend on him because of his strength right there. Contentment is possible in the midst of the scurry and the overwhelm and the pressure of life. How many people are hitting the button in the Christian life that says, I'm tapped out, I'm done? I'm done. This is too much for me. Class four, no thank you. Class five, no thank you. I'm going to tap out now. But they keep coming, and these waves keep coming. Let's think about Paul. Read this with me. He says, five times, five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. This list is very long. Physical, emotional, spiritual pressures Paul felt throughout his life. Being a Christ follower. This is all. While following Jesus, Paul encountered all of this stuff. Maybe you're over it. You want an out. You want to hit the button. But God, he's inviting you to jump back in that boat again and go with the flow of where he's leading you, facing the things that are in front of you head on. Not scurrying off and hiding on a rock by yourself, not trying to swim against the flow, not taking off your life vest and trying to do it on your own. He's inviting you to do the hard thing. And the problem is when you do the hard thing, things could happen. Your boat could capsize, right? Your boat could pop. And in fact, you might even lose your lunch. It might fall out and flow down the river. Wouldn't that be bad? So many things. But you can be completely satisfied with who you are and what you have, finding that contentment, finding that breathing room when you follow the flow of where God leads, when you take that permanent vacation from being God and when you trust him and depend on his strength, giving ourselves space to breathe and live with God brings that contentment. Paul concludes this section with a thought. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty Remember at the beginning, he said, thank you for caring for me. He even appreciated their care if they didn't have the opportunity to, show, to actually help him. But he's basically saying, my contentment is not based on you, Philippian Christians. My contentment is not based on other people. Don't put that pressure on other people. Don't put the expectation on them to provide you with contentment. You choose on your own with what you have to be content in the state that you're in with the stuff that you have right here, right now. And guess what? When you do that, contentment breeds contentment. Those around you, they're going to choose contentment too. This is what sets Christians apart. This is what makes us look different than the world when we follow God and his flow and not the world. We look different. We choose contentment. We choose to handle our own stuff and not place that on other people. When I was swirling under the water, Tom reached out and he pushed me. He pushed me with that very strong arm. And I said, thank you for saving my life. I'll never forget that because I couldn't do it. I didn't know what end was up. I didn't know where God was. I didn't know which, where the up was and the down. We were actually underneath the boat, and I had no idea. I had to go where he pushed me. I had to go because I had no other option. Right now, you guys, I'm begging you to go where God is pushing you. Try not to force yourself to do something you're not meant to do.
If you're meant to be single, enjoy it. If you're meant to be in a relationship, enjoy it. If you're meant to not be, get out of it. If you're meant to find a new job or to stay in the one you're at, listen to God and his tender voice in your life and stop trying to push against. Go where his strong arm is pushing you out from under the boat into the flow and not against. I wanna pray and just invite you to leave these things with Jesus today. The things that he's placed on your heart, the rapids that are you are pushing against. Let's just go ahead and pray right now. Jesus, we thank you for Paul, that he didn't try to fight the shipwrecks, the beatings, the bullies, because he went where you led. And you used him to do a mighty work and hundreds of thousands of people know you today because of him. I pray, Jesus, you would help us to let go of the thing we are pushing against to follow the flow where you lead. Please, Jesus, we give you the big thing in our life, the big class four, the big class five that's just so overwhelming and it's hard to breathe, but we give that to you right now. In the name of Jesus, take it. Thank you for your strong name that you can hold all of the things that we need to give to you. And we ask that you would take it and you would help us learn to be content in Jesus' name. Amen. And some of you guys today, you're following the world. In fact, you've never even tried to follow the flow of where God leads. And it's not gotten you anywhere. You're stuck. And you have an opportunity today to say yes to him, to say yes to the life that he offers you, to enter into this beautiful relationship with him, thanking him for dying on the cross for your sins, thanking him for the hope of eternal life. And in a moment, I'm gonna pray with you. And if you wanna turn to Jesus and you wanna say yes to him and you wanna say, I'm in to follow the flow of where God leads, not where the world leads, I'm gonna give you that opportunity And some of you need to come back to Jesus. You've tried your own and it doesn't work. And you need to come back and say, I'm in Jesus from now forward, I'm back. And in a moment after I pray, the band's gonna play a song. And as they play a song after the prayer, if you say yes to Jesus today, if you say yes to coming back to him online, in person, Online, you can text amen to 77247. And in person, I'm gonna invite you to come forward down one of the aisles, follow the flow, right down one of the aisles, right in here into our living room. We won't keep you for long. We have a Bible for you and someone to meet with you and pray over you. You guys, this is the best decision you can ever make. Following God, it is an adventure. It is fun. It is hard. It is all the things but it's the best thing ever because you do it with Jesus, with our Savior. So let's go ahead and pray right now. For those of you who already know Jesus, please pray for those who are turning to him. Jesus, I'm sorry for following the flow of the world. I'm sorry for trying on my own and doing all the things I thought would make me happy. I choose today contentment in you, Jesus. 
I choose to say yes to you. I choose to say yes to the life that you have for me, not wanting more or anything else. I accept you into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. I surrender all. It's yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. We're live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you wanna be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.